Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and right now I am joined by my close associate, Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when the Karen Matthews and Craig Meehan of the Terrace <laughs> get together. That's right, it is a big lower league banter fest. It's been about, what, Sean, about two months since mm. you and I last locked horns? Yes, I would say so. And, and incidentally, just thank you for bringing up uh, Karen Matthews. That was one of my one of my favourite and most ridiculous stories of all time. I thought you were going to say it's one of your uh, underrated celebrity crushes there. <laughs> not quite, not quite. I mean, it's obviously it's, it's, it's easy enough to, to to laugh at it because it was just a fucking shambles. But uh, absolutely horrendous stuff for Shannon Matthews, uh, the, the the daughter who was hid uh, under a duvet bed. I think am I right in saying? Ah, I think when they, I think when they eventually raided the, the uncle's house, she was she was she was under a bed, I believe. Just crack handed. It's one of those things. It's probably like a, a decent idea in principle. When you start unraveling, it's like how on earth is this going to work? <laughs> but no, no, nevertheless, nevertheless, uh, our, our thoughts are with Shannon. But Sean, I think I've got a good feeling about today. I think it's going to be a good one. This is like the equivalent of sitting in a sauna. And then two middle-aged men walk in and start talking about lower league Scottish football. How does that it's, sound? Uh, be- it's roasting outside. But do you know something? I am. I was kind of reading and, and watching the highlights, but the, the more I was reading, the more excited I was getting because I, I just love this time of the season. I love, I love the fact that there's so much writing on the last couple of games of the season, and then I love the playoffs. Like as much as I like maybe like the early rounds of the Scottish Cup, for me, this is the the, the best moment of the season by a mile. You know something I I was watching the football at the weekend, watching the games on the Saturday, watching the scores coming, and watching the the Celtic Rangers game. So actually, thinking fuck, this is the worst time to have stopped the view for the terrace. You think just give us one more episode? It would have been great to have sort of like caught up and, and done all that sort of stuff. Uh, but nevertheless, here we are. But just we'll just check in, Sean, before we do get going. How how's how's how the H are you? How is everything in your world? I'm uh, I'm very well. Can't complain at all. Uh, looking forward to the the live show in a couple of weeks. But I uh, all good. Yourself? Yeah, that's good. I, I listened to the podcast that you, you and Joel scared the sort of shoot podcast that you recorded a week yesterday, a week uh, a week ago today, and uh, I it was like watching uncut gems. Listening to Joel Sked talk about where on earth this live show is happening. <laughs> For the avoidance of doubt, anyone that listened to that and still doesn't have a clue, it's on Friday the 20th of May. It's in St. Luke's in Glasgow. I think there's a handful of tickets left. There's not many left. So please get in there while the going's good because you don't want to miss out. It's uh, backed by the same company that make a view for the Terra Studio something. And it's like, unless Nazi Germany, whenever you see SS involved, you know it's going to be a good fun. 
I mean, that's just it. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure if we were to, uh, I'm sure if we were to put our thinking caps on and come up with a show, we would come up with something that was pretty good. But the fact that the fact that they're on board, it's a, I'd, I'd, I'd imagine it is, it is going to be a, a brilliant night. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure they, they might have things like props and celebrity guests involved. I'm trying to think if I was going through my phone book, like Danny Denham might come along. That's probably that's about his high profile. I'd be okay. I'd be all right. I'd be all right. But it's like I mean, he's not exactly he's not exactly Rod Stewart, you know. <laughs> No, but which is arguably a good thing. I don't know, man. Can you just imagine Rod Stewart volleying footballs out of St. Luke's? The venue's quite small, so you could quite literally take someone's head off their shoulders. <laughs> so I think if you could have your like, if you could mean if you could pick your ultimate guest for a view for the terrace live, bear in mind the sort of limitations, so you can't pick Bruce Springsteen or anything like that. But if you were to pick your ultimate guest, who would you want it to be and why? Uh, Alan McCoyst. Alan McCoy's because he is—he's uh, just a man of the people. He, he is. I just think he's a bit too unrealistic. That he'd be my number one guest, but I think he's perhaps too unrealistic. Aye. So, so, so if that's the if that's the kind of platinum level, who's who's the level below that that we could entice to the show? I'm not too sure. Um, you're probably thinking some Greg Taylor. Greg Taylor. <laughs> aye. That's uh, uh, or trying to think some of the place for St Mirren. Eamon Brophy. <laughs> You get Eamon Brophy to read, a, read, a, read out your name from a card again. He's See if you can do it better. <laughs> Read, reading it one, just spelling it, reading out the letters instead. But nevertheless, no, no, that's, uh, I'm sure uh, Eamon Brophy can read good uh, when he's not put under pressure. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not his uh, foundation level English teacher. Uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, we're done voicing our pity. Let's get to the nitty gritty. And you know how this works by now. Sean and I will discuss one game from the Championship, another from League One, and a final fixture from League Two. And as Sean mentioned earlier, the finishing line is almost in sight. There's so much to talk about for this weekend, so many games that we could have chosen. But the ones we've gone for in the Championship, we'll start with there first. This was the very definition of a six-point. This is the biggest game, perhaps, in the SPFL all weekend between Dunfermline Athletic and Air United. Now, Air could have secured the championship safety with a win, and Aaron Muirhead's first half penalty put them along the right lines. But big thanks to Aidan McAdams because Reese Cole equalised in the 79th minute before big Nikolai Todorov got the winner with just four minutes remaining. As we mentioned there, it was a dark day for the Air United goalkeeper. Aye, uh, I'm actually a big fan of him. I mean, I, I, yeah, I thought yeah. I thought last season. He was very good. I, I thought this season he's been okay, kind of solid, but, un, but unspectacular. Maybe he maybe hasn't been quite the success that I expected him to be at air this season. However, on Saturday he had he had a bit of a disaster. I, I think you, you saw it. You got that first goal from from Cole's free kick. There's a good angle from behind the goals. The, the yeah, kind of yeah. uh, goal pro cam, and as much as he was blinded by the player who was standing to the left of the wall. That's still his fault. Like, like it looked like he couldn't see the ball until it was past him. It, it looked like as well, Sean. He he, he went the wrong way. Split the goal pro angry. Absolutely right. It's, it's fantastic. But he seems to change his mind at the last minute. It looks like he's going one way, then changes his mind at the other, and the ball seems to go underneath him. And that's like it's at his side of the goal. Like the wall's protecting the right hand yeah. side. Therefore, he's responsible for the left. And I he made an arse and and as you say, it's like he took a slight step to the right. I don't know why because. Even for Cole's run up, it, it kind of looked like that's 
you kind of felt that's where the ball was going, but for some reason, McAdams didn't expect that and took that took that wee step to the right. Uh, I suppose that, that meant he couldn't he couldn't get his balance back. That goal was bad. Yeah, the second one was disastrous. The second one was disastrous. And if there's any, if you'd maybe give McAdams the benefit of the doubt for the first one, given the fact you might say he was unsighted. But this one, this is it's a Dunfermline counter attack. The ball's worked to Nikolai Todorov about between 25 and 30 yards for goal, and it's very obvious. Like when I was watching the highlights back, I thought I didn't think that was the goal. I, I, I <laughs> because it was it was, a, it was a speculative effort. I thought it was a bit of a pot shot from distance. I mean, it's on target but it goes right under McAdams. And, and again, for that GoPro angle, it looked worse in that. And he really, really should have been saving that. Aye. I just, just really bad technique. Like, doesn't he get across in time, gets his hands all wrong, dives at it in an, in an odd manner. He just, he just gets everything wrong. And it, it, it kind of just, it wasn't, it wasn't even like a, a great attempt. It was, it's not as if he hit it particularly hard. He just, he just got every single thing wrong about it. Uh, and that has a huge burn on, on how this league finishes because Ayr, even, even at 1-0 Ayr might have took that but the fact that they were 1-0 up the fact that if it had finished like that that, that would have been them safe you would imagine uh, the fact that they were so much on top for about 75 minutes uh, there was probably fewer chances than I expect reading about the game before I watched the highlights there was probably fewer clear-cut chances than, than I expected from Ayr United but they, looked, they certainly looked in control uh, mm-hmm. Adeloy had a really good chance when they yep. were already one them up had a couple of other half chances, but the film were creating nothing. Uh, I, I think a couple of substitutions changed things. The, the, the film highlights are a wee bit funny in that they didn't show you how Dunfermline got the free kick. It didn't show you the foul that. Not to free kick. It just seemed to happen. Normally, nor, normally you get to see the foul and think it was uh, who was it that gave away the foul? I mean, Kerr McEnroy, what I read, gave away the final. Uh, give, give away the give away the foul, but you don't see it all of a sudden. You just see Reese Cole stand over the ball and boom, it's in the back of the net. It just seems to like oh. Because again, I, I presume that wasn't the goal. I thought, right, well, they'll show you the build-up to the goal, so this, this can't possibly be it. But I, I mean, Ayr, as much as I expected Ayr to lose this one, but I expected them to lose it more convincingly, if that makes sense. But the fact that they were, because ultimately they haven't been playing well recently. Certainly haven't been starting games particularly well, but to see them actually control a game and then still somehow contrive to, to, to kind of throw it away, I, I think Ayr are in big trouble. I, I know you can almost look at the fixtures and think, they might have a slightly, they might have a, because the fact that they play Queen of the South first mm-hmm. means they probably have a better chance of uh, creating a wee bit of gap going into the, the last day of the season. However, the fact that Queen of the South got that win against Inverness, suddenly they still have something to play for this weekend. So I, I think it's very difficult for, for, for Ayr to certainly escape ninth from here. I think it's very interesting. You, you mentioned there about the, the, the final run of fixtures and, and they're both playing the same teams. Both Dunfermline yeah. and Air are playing the same teams on on uh, on, on, on different weekends. Uh, on, on Saturday, it's Dunfermline Athletic are going to Partick Thistle before hosting Queen of the South, while uh, Air United are, are, going to, are, are taking on Queen's before going to Furhill themselves. And I, I read they've got an absolutely... Air United have got an absolutely shocking record at, at, at Queens, they've not won there. It's in, they've not beaten them it's since two thousand two. Am I right in saying that or something? It's a long, long time. It's the start of two thousands. However, by the law of averages, you have to <laughs> win there eventually. And let's face it, Queens South either got a good result against Inverness, but they've been in dreadful form. So if there's, if there's ever a good, uh, I, I can, I, if ever they're going to have a better chance to, to to put paid to this record, it's going to be on Saturday. And if they play like they did at the weekend, I, I give them a decent shout at beating Queen of South. 
I also think Delfermann's got a decent shout of beating Partick though, uh, mm. albeit their, their away form isn't particularly good and they, they didn't play well on Saturday, but the fact that they, they'll get such a lift for, for that result, I, I, I think Delfermann will get something from, from Partick who were also really poor at the weekend against Wraith. It's interesting. You think about it. It's, it's, this is an absolutely dreadful result for for United, and you wonder, you wonder what what that result does for the team going forward. Because yeah, you win that game, that's you safe. You draw the game, you you still got a good gap uh, ahead of of of, of Dunfermline going into those fight final games. But like on another day, you win that. I mean, those are two goalkeeping errors. What certainly one's an out and out goalkeeping error, and one you might have a bit of sympathy for. Those don't tend to happen that often. McAdams isn't going to do the same thing twice, and I suppose you you can say that that mentally uh, is is giving them a lift. But you know, Partick Thistle aren't that bad a side. I they're no bad a side, but they also have been in just dreadful form recently. Even even one of the few games they've won recently against Queen of South, for enough. At Palmerston, I mean, they were battered for ninety minutes and somehow managed to to win the game. So no, I I think the Fermanagh will get something uh, from that part of the game. In terms of United, I suppose if you're looking for positives, it's slim pickings, I suppose. But when I was when we were speaking about Air uh, the week before, or talking about the fact that Lee Brulin seems like a really defensive coach, always uh, kind of plays with a handbrake on, doesn't play ways, kind of keeps some of his better forward options on the bench. Mm-hmm. Whoever on Saturday, he did start Tommy Adeloy yeah. up top. He did play, no, I think he pronounced his first name Dara O'Connor. Dara O'Connor. Uh, I, I, think, I think it's Dara O'Connor. I think that's really interesting you're going to say that, Sean. Judging by the highlights, any time that Air United looked positive, it was moves coming down the right from O'Connor yep. feeding into Adeloy. And of course, that's where that, that move um, set up the penalty. Adeloy gets the ball in the box, turns Donaldson, and Donaldson just grabs his arm. And he's holding on to his arm. It's me as... It's a soft penalty. It's a penalty, never, nevertheless. Uh, like Adeloy's quite cute with it. He, he get he feels like his arm getting yanked back and just just keels over like a sack of tatties. But anytime they looked positive, it did come through combinations down the right from those two players. Yeah, and and maybe Bullen watching that suddenly realizes that actually with these two players start in the start eleven, they're just a far better team. So you wouldn't imagine him makes too many. Well, you would imagine he'll start those specific two players again. I know O'Connor went off about fifty minutes to go. Uh, however, I was reading today that he's expected to be fit for the weekend. So if you're looking for a positive, he Bullen went for it in a more positive manner. And then United looked the, the better side because of it. I think the problem is, like, defensively, I, I, I don't think they're great. And if McAdams is suddenly having uh, having problems, then then I keep them out at the other, at the other end is going to be their, their big big problems. I, I know it's, it's, it's not really time to bring this up, but, but going back to the start of the season, when David Hopkins signed Sean McGinty and Marcus Fjortoff, you think, what the fuck? It's like the guys had been absolute huddies at Greenup Morton previously. And you think, why on earth are you? McAdams was a smart signing from, from one, despite what, what happened at the weekend there. But McAdams was a smart signing with the other two. You're thinking, oh, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have signed either of them. I think uh, I, I think, I think some supporters thought Fjortoft might have been okay. I, I think there was massive concerns about Sean McGinty. And I, I think those concerns were probably... Probably valid. That again, if you're going to be positive, McGinty has been okay maybe the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. But in general, he's had he's had a really poor season, and so have so have all those signings that that, that came from Morton. McAdams has been okay, uh, but aye, the rest of them, the rest of them have have made this year United team a, a far poorer side, and that's ultimately the one of the main reasons why they are where they are. 
Yeah, I think what one of the big criticisms that I that I, that I saw from from Lou Bill was, was he waited too late to to make his subs and, and and change the game. And I suppose that you've got to say, in some regard, fair play to John Hughes because ultimately the two subs came on. The Reese Cole was introduced, in fact, seventy nine minutes. Sorry, Reese Cole was introduced in the sixty ninth minute. Todorov introduced in the eighty third minute, and both players making the decisive impact on the game. However, it's it's one of those ones where you can heat, you want to heat praise in the manager because those changes got them the desired outcome but you've kind of got to uh, both goalie errors though you know another day McAdam saves him no bother and and I mean to be fair I wasn't at the game and, and you never saw the substitutions coming on or the reactions from the crowd when, when these substitutions are coming on but I would imagine considering how those players have played this season I, I don't know if the Finland fans would have been would have thought at the time, oh, this is a good, this is a good sub to bring on mm-hmm. because Reese Cole is had a pretty, a pretty quiet season, reasonably anonymous, hasn't done too much, uh, in, in a film strap. And Todorov has been, probably hasn't had too many chances, I suppose, for, for Hughes. But again, in terms of, I, I wouldn't have been sitting there and thinking, oh, these guys are going to come on and turn the game. But ah, you're right. I mean, ultimately they did, and, and Hughes gets the credit. But like Hughes does deserve credit. Like he's he has he's turned this team around. Yeah. Like this team under under Grant was. An absolute shambles, and I, I suppose what Hughes has done that maybe didn't wasn't able to do at starts is that he's been able to bring in his own players. Yep, there, there's a lot of players now in that starting eleven are players that have uh, have been brought there by Hughes, and the bulk of them are, are probably doing pretty well. So his signings have his recruitment has has been pretty good, and he, he deserves credit for that and turning the season around. There's still been some very dodgy moments under his tenure. But if they stay up, he deserves a huge amount of credit, as he as he deserved the uh, last season for keeping Ross County up. Yeah, I say. Uh, I, I mean, if I had to to pick between the two teams, I'd want to go go down. I, I'd much prefer it to be Dunfermline Athletic. It's just that, that John Hughes is is, is like I, Dunfermline are a team that, as a Stennis Muir fan, would would never their, their two worlds would never really have collided. But when they went into administration in two thousand and thirteen, were relegated. The, the 13-14 season, weirdly, when I first started getting into the terrace, they beat us all the time. And it was all last-minute goals as well. All last-minute goals. I remember one of the, like, having to come on the podcast after losing 5-4 to them when they scored three goals in the final six minutes to beat us 5-4 and just being lost for words to try and explain what happened. So ever since then, three times that season that, that they did us, so I've never liked them since then. It's nothing personal. It's just that. And then chucking John Hughes, who I, I, is someone... I, I, I just can't take him. I, I, I just he's just not not for not for me. I, like his time at Wraith Rovers and stuff. I've heard about the way he, he conducted himself there, the way he is in the media and stuff like that. Just, mm, I, I just just don't like. If I had to pick between the two, it would be Dunfermline. However, th- when I look at that Dunfermline team, I kind of you pick through the individual components. And you think, why is this team doing as as badly as it is? And I suppose. A lot of that comes down to, to Peter Grant, but you listen to some of the stuff that I, I can't think of the specific examples. You'll need to tell me when you think of some of the Peter Grant's analysis on the radio. Uh, like, what did he say? He said recently, uh, are both either win or lose? No, they don't. They draw games all the time. That's why That's why they're, they're, they're not leading the championship at the moment because they, they, they draw so many games. So they either win or they draw, they, they, they rarely lose. And it's like, fuck, look at the league table, mate. I'll tell you that. Oh, no, no wonder if that's the kind of analysis he's bringing to national radio, God only knows uh, what went on behind the scenes at, uh, at Dunfermline. There can't be too many other teams in Scotland who have drawn more games than Arbroath, have drawn 14 games this season. Uh, Queen's Park. Of, of course, they, they, they specifically draw one all each and every week, you're right. 
Uh, I, I just, uh, I, 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 that, that kind of, that probably demonstrates his lack of analysis uh, skills. I, it won't surprise you to learn that if I had to pick who got relegated between Dunfermline and Air, it would also be Dunfermline. I, I know there's a, 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 a very weird uh, series of events that would mean that everybody, the three teams all end on the same amount of points, the same goal difference and the same goals scored, which means it would go to head-to-head. So I think Queen of South need to win their last two games 1-0. Dunfermline need to lose to Partick Thistle 1-0. And yeah, United need to lose to Partick Thistle 1-0. I yep. think that's a sequence. That's right, aye. That would put Dunfermline down on head-to-head. And I can assure you, if Dunfermline were to get relegated on head-to-head with John Hughes as a manager, it would probably be the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. <laughs> It's, uh, I, I know that the teams will come and speak about it, but I think whoever finishes in ninth place, I do think it's going to be Air United. I think they'll get relegated. I I, I think that Air Jones are going to come up. We'll, I know we're going to come on and speak about Air Jones. I think Air Jones are having an absolutely fantastic season. And I hope and expect that to continue for them. Um, and, and even so, I think that like Queen's Park is uh, the fourth place side in League One. Queen's Park aren't great, but there's something I can't I can't quite explain why. There's something nagging away at the back of my mind that says they're the team that's going to get to the playoff final. I think Queen's Park are going to relegate uh, Air or Dunfermline. They seem to have improved not a lot, but incrementally recently. I mean, you, you'll have seen them more than me, but it feels like they've they've come onto a bit more of a game and are are drawing fewer games they, one each they, and actually getting some wins these days. They they lost it at the weekend. But apart from that. Uh, I've seen a lot of Queen's Park. You know something that's weird? I've, I've seen Queen's Park perhaps the second most out of any other side beyond, beyond Stenhouse Muir. And I, I can't make up my mind about them. I can't make up my mind about them. There's a, there, there are players that are good in that team that, that work quite well. I think like Liam Brown, we're kind of going off topic here. Liam Brown's very good. And I think that they're just a... a I think Mikey Doyle's had a good season. at right back, very fit, very energetic. But I think Queen's Park, regardless of what division they're in next season, just need to gut the team. You know, it's like, who could have imagined the policy of signing bottom-of-the-barrel full-time jobbers would lead to a fourth-place finish in uh, League One? Not we, uh, I mean, we said that last season, that they, that, that approach it probably isn't going to get them out of, of League One. Certainly not a first-time asking, I, I wouldn't expect. And it certainly was going to win them a league. I, I didn't think that either. Uh, I'm the same. I, I, I know we said this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, in terms of who we thought would go down, even when Air looked like they had a wee bit of a cushion between them and Dunfermline, I expected Air to finish ninth, Dunfermline to kick on and finish eighth, and the Queen of South to, to go straight down. I, I still think that'll be the case. Yeah, come on, we'll just br- briefly touch on Queens. I know they got a good result against uh, Cali Thistle through the week there, but it's six points. Uh, they need to, you know, they need to beat Dunfermline. They need to beat Air United, and 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 hope that that they don't pick up points either results. Too too little, too late for them. Too much of them. You're expecting a team that's that's won a handful of games all season to suddenly pull out the bag in the last two against teams who are really scrapping for stuff. Ah, that uh, that that seven game sequence where they lost, they lost seven straight. That's that's absolutely killed them. And I they got that, that wee element of a I kind of pick me up when when Willie Gibson took over, but uh, losing seven games in a row at a kind of crucial time of the season just gave themselves far too much to do and. And I, a, a good win against uh, an MLS side that didn't play particularly well on the night, but far too much to do. Would you? You would imagine if you were if you were a Queen of the South supporter, would you want to see Gibson stick around for for next season? Not as manager, no. 
I'd, I'd think I'd want him to con- to go back to concentrate on playing. I think again he would be. I, I think he's had a, an okay season this time around. I think he was if he's in League One, he would be a, a, a stick out again and, and would probably have a great season. But I, I, I don't know if I would want him in the dugout managing the team. I, I don't think he's done very much. I three wins, but there's a lot of defeats in there. Uh, certainly hasn't done enough to convince me that he'd be a good manager, but. He's like a Queen's legend, so maybe, maybe they'd be more inclined to, to give him the job. I'm, I'm not so sure, though. Who's assisting him? Is it, is it Grant Murray that's assisting him? Aye, yep. Uh, so I know that you quite liked him from his time at uh, Wraith Rovers. I suppose it's, it's a difficult thing. You couldn't imagine at Queen say, listen, we want to keep Grant Murray on as manager and put Willie Gibson back to to just, just play. And I don't think that's that's an arrangement that you, you, would, you would see. I, I, I wouldn't have, as much as I don't know if it would be the greatest idea in the world, Queen's have, have a wee bit of a history of, of kind of promoting from, from within or, or certainly certainly people who are well known to the club so I wouldn't be surprised if they kept them on and presumably it's a cheap it's a cheap option as well and if they're looking to, to, to save money next term if they're in League One then I probably would expect them to be the manager but whether that's whether that's the right approach I'm, I, I have my doubts Alan Johnson there's a man who knows to get out of League <laughs> One you're laughing Sean you're laughing but let's, let's, speaking of League One, let us drop into the third tier. And we're going to the Penny Car Stadium, where Airdrieonians kept their slim hopes of winning the title alive with a last gas win over Dumbarton. This looked like an absolutely supreme game of football. Airdrie were two up, then they were pegged back and down to 10 men. But Jordan Allen popped up with the winner with just two minutes remaining. Now, the Diamonds are in second place, five points behind Cove Rangers. Maybe a wee bit too much to make up in the running, but the Suns, Dumbarton, they are consigned to ninth place and they will take on either Edinburgh City or Stenhouse Muir in the League One playoff. Now, before we get into this nitty-gritty, Sean, I think it's important to talk about the very, very start of this highlights package. There was a shout-out for a view from the terrace. Presumably it was Dylan Easton. looked like he was taking centre. And uh, the, the commentator asked Salim Kudera-Isa, who was in Cocoms, if you watched a view from the terrace, Salim said, yes, he had. And they said that um, that Dylan Easton was, was getting bigged up. But he, we also bigged him up and we also bodied him because he fucked up that penalty against Montrose the previous week and he sent the Eamon Brophy Lone Wolf Trophy in the direction of uh, of you and Joel and, and Fowler. So, yeah. I, I, feel, that's, I feel that's really soured, uh, your, your thoughts on Dylan Eason. You know something, it's like, uh, uh, be, being facetious, I think he, he deserves, he's nominated for the league one player of the season alongside Harry Milton, Mitch Meganson and Rory McAllister. Great to see McAllister getting a shout there. But I think that for me, Easton 100% deserves that accolade. You can make the shout for, you make the shout for all players, make the case for all players and what they've done. But Easton is by streets ahead being the best player in that division. And you know something, it's one thing watching him in the highlights and seeing all the great attacking stuff he does. But when I went to the Airdrie Cove game a couple of weeks ago, like he was dropping deep in front of defence. Uh, like intercepting the ball, getting it, getting stuck in, progressing the ball forward. Things that you never thought that he would have had in his game. You know, you thought he'd just like muck around the final third. I mean, the ball's down the, down the other end of the pitch. He wouldn't be getting involved, but he was excellent. He, he was he was excellent in that match. And his finish for that first goal to put everyone up was was absolutely brilliant. I, I kind of I kind of shimmy and a shuffle to to, to kind of fool the defender and then just his finish I think the bottom corner was excellent it's fair to say that both of those Airdrie goals the first goal and the second goal were a little bit of a nightmare for Paul Payton 
because it was Paul Payton that got skinned by Easton. He didn't really, I think he got the ball, he muscled out him and then skinned and then Easton hit the shot low. And then it was his blind back pass. It was intercepted by Callum Smith. Uh, who set up Callum Gallagher for the the goal? So yeah, unlucky, Paul. I think uh, I think this match kind of sums up why both teams are having the kind of season that they're having. So Airdrie have there's been times where Airdrie have had maybe decent teams over the last couple of years. Uh, maybe I'm going back a wee bit further, but I always I always got the impression that they would they would fall flat, or like they, they maybe had a bit of a, a kind of. Soft underbelly. I'd like. I, I didn't expect them to, to to be successful, even though they maybe had a half decent team. But now they seem to have like a wee bit of dig about them, a wee yeah. bit, a wee bit of bite. Whereas Dumbarton, Dumbarton's can't kind of defend. You know, like you know, we spoke about it on the show uh, a while back, and Stevie Farrell had that interview post game where he said that they've had. You know, thirty individual errors have, think, have cost them. Have cost them got, goals sorry, or something. Sean, I, think, I think that bit got cut. Am I right in saying that I didn't quite make it? In. I'm sure I make it. it, but I make it. But yeah, that was the interview he gave where he said that his the analytics team who are, are presumably hired to help the team. He was just using them to dig out the fact that they keep making all these individual mistakes. But that's just that like they can't defend. Like they can't defend, and like the defending and and this game was was absolutely hopeless. The third goal as well was an error from Buchanan, who kind of got caught the wrong side. Yeah, and and that's why they are. Uh, that's why they've ended up ninth. I think going forward, they're not actually that bad. Yeah, like they can they can bother teams. You seen when they when they had to go for it against Airdrie when they were two 0 down, and then obviously Airdrie got uh, Adam Frizzell sent off, so they kind of felt like they had an even bigger opportunity to get into the game. But as soon as they actually started to go for it and and put Airdrie on the back foot. That's like they were doing pretty well mm-hmm. in the highlights. But I suppose if you are a, a, a forward player in this Dumbarton team and you've got that motley crew behind you, <laughs> like, like if you have to score three goals every week to win a game, it, it, it's just not going to happen. I, I think they'll struggle in the playoffs. I think they're going to get relegated. Well, it depends if they if they play Edinburgh City. No, they're going to get relegated. I think they'll get relegated. They will get relegated. They'll get, if they play Edinburgh City, they'll get to the final. If they play Senesmuir, they'll get relegated in the semis. That's a, that's a shoot. I would expect Stenny to have too much for them and I would expect Forfar to have too much for them. Mm-hmm. Annan appear to be in a, 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 a bad run at the moment, so I'm yeah. starting to lose faith in, in Annan. As you say, Edinburgh, I, I think Dumbarton would, 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 would come out on top against Edinburgh. I, I think as well, like I was speaking to, I, I, I was speaking, I was texting Fraser Clark, friend of the show, uh, and, and Fraser won't mind me saying this, but a, a giant VL who uh, if there's if there's nothing about Dumbarton he doesn't know it's not worth knowing. But you sent me a statistic about them, the performances with Ryan McGeever in the team. I think when Ryan McGeever starts, they they actually tend to do okay in matches. They've got a decent win percentage, but when he's absent, as he's been for long spells this season, it completely falls through the floor. And I, I just think that like you've got a guy like Gregor Buchanan there, and, and I think that. I remember a couple of years back when, when Buchanan signed for Airdrieonians. He signed, he, he played junior football. I can't remember who it was that he came from. He played junior football. And I remember seeing him at Airdrie and thinking, this guy's really good. Like just the organisation, just he's a big strapping boy, carries himself well, attacks the ball well, like aggressive at the right times. And, and thinking he could go on really far. But seeing after that season that he had with, with Airdrie, he's never really quite impressed me as much since then. I think he's a bit of a bit of, don't like saying, a bit of a huddy. I, oh, he's I, good I, at Dunfermline. Sorry, beg your pardon. He was good after that season. He got a move into full-time football with Dunfermline. 
and they didn't go up. So I think he went to Dumbarton first time round. That's right. Um, but since uh, I since those first two seasons, he's never really never really impressed me. I, I when when he got that move to Dunfermline, I, I thought he might have been okay, and and I wasn't overly impressed by him. And then I thought, right, well, you know, so maybe maybe full time is, is a bit of stretch for him. But I still think he is a good part time central defender. I, I don't know if I've thought that since then either, though. Yeah. As you say, he's uh, I, either either he, he's never been quite as good as we thought he was initially, or his or his, his powers are on the wane. But I certainly he's he's had a poor season this time around. The Burton, as you said there, or in fact, as we said there, we both expect Dumbarton to get relegated. The club just, it just doesn't seem quite right. You read stuff in Pie and Bovril, talk about the ownership, uh, uh, sort of like absentee landlords who are just really keen on selling off the rock and, and, and moving the team elsewhere. Where that be, who knows? You don't see many new football stadia being built in, in Scotland, particularly one for a club of, say, Dumbarton size. And you kind of worry that if that happens, if the club does, if they do like sell off the ground, then they become nomadic. I know that's sort of like well far down the line, but you kind of think, what does the future hold for Dumbarton Football Club? I there isn't another club in Scotland who who consistently have owners who appear to just have no interest in the football club whatsoever. This must be like the second, third group of owners who only seem interested in the land that the ground's on rather than rather than investing any money in the, the, the playing staff or the facilities. And for years now, that's been the case. And for years now, ever since they... It's always felt like they've been on a slippery slope. So that the season, they, they were always incrementally, it felt, getting worse in the championship. Then they got relegated. And you thought, right, well, can they push on and try and get promotion back to the championship? But they just seem to be getting worse and worse and worse. And as much as, I mean, as much as ultimately, they just don't have a particularly good squad, even for even for League One level, I, I, I would suggest. But unless they can sort out that board situation, I, I don't see how it improves. Like their budget must always be one of the lowers uh, at the lower end in, in League One. And and I, it feels like if they do get relegated, I don't necessarily expect them to be kicking on to get promoted from League Two next season because history tells us. They're slowly getting worse season by season by season. And I, I do think that the, the board situation is very much at the heart of it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I look at that group of players there and I think that if you were to parachute that gang into League One, they'd, I think they'd they'd probably be in the same position as like Stenismere Enbra, sort of knocking on the door, trying to get into fourth place. I don't think they'd be challenging up there with, with Forfa and Annan and Kelty Hearts are, are mild, miles ahead of them. But I think that, that certainly reading Pine Bovril, Stevie Farrell doesn't appear a, a particularly uh, popular appointment with the with the, 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 the supporters. I think that I, I've said a number of times in this podcast, I always quite liked the way he's handled himself. I think he always, when he was at Stranraer, he, he came across well in his interviews and I think that he had Stranraer doing quite well. I imagine Stranraer must have been one of the smaller budgets in league won and he got them into the I got them into the playoffs or certainly the top five last yeah. last season the sort of curtailed season I need to go back and need to go back and check and I think that for him Stranraer were like guys like Rudy Payton moved on to Queens Tam Orr joined Stenhouse Muir it was probably the right time for, for him to, to, to go elsewhere but it just hasn't quite worked at, uh, at, at Dumbarton and, and I think that from what I've seen in Pine Wolf the supporters don't particularly like him don't particularly like his coaching staff and we'd happily see him moved on at the end of the season, regardless of what division they're playing in next term. 
I, I, I was the same as you. I always thought he, I always thought he came across pretty well, and, and he had he had some success with Stranraer. So I, I thought it was probably quite a canny appointment, but he still not got a, a tune out of them uh, at all. And again, I think I think the way he comes across, I think uh, Dumbarton fans think he's probably like a, a decent guy, but has he, like the. They were even kind of, and I, I don't know how much, I don't know how much kind of stock you should put in it, but even like what the substitutes do at half time, you know, like the just substitutes are doing drills at the interval, whereas the Dumbarton players are just shooting into, like yeah. they were shooting into an empty net, as far as I'm aware. Like it just, it, it, something doesn't feel quite right. And see, see, that, that sort of thing, Sean, though, that's the sort of stuff. Nobody gives a fuck if the team's winning. See if Dumbarton were up, like up in the, the playoffs. See, see, imagine you swap Dumbarton's place for Queen's Park. Dumbarton finished the season in fourth. Nobody cares. These are the things that you notice, though, that when when you're not doing well as a fan, these are the things that begin to annoy you. And this is, these are the things that you can use to uh, criticise uh, a management team that you that you don't like. I think as well, he was quite bold in his... And, and maybe he was just saying it, whether he believed it or not, whether he was just trying to... Uh, whether he was just trying to kind of G up interest in the team. Like, it, he he said at the start of the season he felt he had a squad that could challenge for the playoffs. I I didn't think that was the case, and, and for a while there, I think maybe the first couple of months they were they were in that like in the upper reaches of the league. But I suppose if you if you're claiming you have enough quality to challenge for the playoffs and and you end up ninth, and that is also a rod for your back to a degree as well. I think I'm, I'm looking at the results here, Sean. I think they went through a little purple patch at the the end of August and into September when they won three games on the bounce and drew 1-1 with Aloha. I mean, they beat East 5-5-0, they beat Falkirk 2-1, they beat Montrose 2-1, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the, the I'll say, the better teams in the league. <laughs> excuse me. Um, but then after that, long, long, long spells of, of like long losing spells. And it just... I, made- I, I think there was very much an argument to dispense with the services. Uh, I, I think if they'd maybe got rid of them in January, I wouldn't have been overly surprised but that I, I don't know what his contract deal is whether he's whether he's got another another year with the club maybe they, they couldn't afford it or maybe they, they still thought that he would be able to to get him out of the situation but I, I I was surprised he's still there if I'm being honest what about your Jonians then another good result I mean, we know you mentioned the fact they were down to 10 men I don't, in fact we did mention we didn't see what happened like Adam Frizzell it looked as though one of those ones where it's a red card. It's like he went. It's a foul on Stuart Carswell. It looks like one of the ones where he goes in. You see when when you're trying to put your foot over the ball to try and bring it under control, but your studs are up and you kind of catch the player in the leg. It looked probably you would say you've seen them given. I I thought it was. I thought it warranted a red. I mean, it's one of those ones where it was like if it was a yellow, you would say all right, okay, fair enough. But but when he brought it the red, it was like, aye, that's fine. It, it, it makes sense. It was it was over the ball. You would say it was it was reckless as well. I mean, where he caught him, I thought it was a I thought it was a bad one. So I, I didn't have I didn't have any complaints about that. And as much as they were as much as they were rocked to to, to start with, the fact that Dumbarton came back into the game made it two two. But aye, the fact that there always seems to be something happening in Airdrie Dumbarton games. That there's not it's normally a, a high scoring game. That there's quite often something happens in the last minute, some kind of last minute winner, and there seems to be beef between the, the benches. It's it's just a good fixture for exciting finales. Because because there was a game earlier in the season, and like have you ever seen Magnolia before? Yes. Right. Do you know the opening scene in Magnolia where the guy goes to commit suicide and have his parents kill themselves, and the parents <laughs> accidentally 
shoot him through the window. Do you know the scene I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Yep. It's like really, really complicated trying to explain what happened. That's like describing the game between Dumbarton and Airdrie earlier in the season where Dumbarton got three men sent off and they scored an injury in the 94th minute, an injury time to draw two each. But then Salim Kadera Issa scores in like 96th minute to win it. It's the same sort of thing, all this like coincidence and happenstance and stuff that you, you couldn't possibly explain. You've got to write it all down and to, to try and make people understand. <laughs> That's exactly what, what it was like here. But I mean, you mentioned Slim Kuderesa. He's he was on, on co-coms for this, and his yelp when Jordan Allen tapped the ball in at the end. I say a yelp, it was a fucking screech down the mic for that burst out laughing. I thought this is a real life-affirming moment. Someone there like him, he, he was quite shy on co-coms. He seems like quite a shy guy, but that bit there, he really sort of like like lost himself in the moment. There's a bit thing when um his teammate, I think Alan was was on goal and Buchanan sort of nudged him like nudged him like wide and you go, oh go on and, and, and get in and just when the balls played across the face a goal for him to to tap it into the net he uh, aye brilliant stuff. I like uh I, I know he probably goes under the radar probably because Easton as well but I like uh, I quite like Callum Smith. Oh, I think yeah, that's been a, yeah. a pretty good signing. Like a, again, a, a player who has been at a full-time level, never really kicked on as much as I thought he would. But I think he's been brilliant for for Airdrie this season. Yeah. And and you can go all through their team, and, and they have they've got a decent amount of quality in there. But I think that's now allied with maybe really good work rate. Uh, a bit more belief in themselves as well, and and I that's why I fancy them in the playoffs. Hundred percent. I'm looking through the team that started against Dumbarton, and, and you're absolutely right. You can you can look through that that side, and and like you know like Brody Patterson, who's who's I, I saw him a wee bit playing for Queens Park last term. He's coming on loan from Celtic. He looks a better player now than he was at Queens. Rich McCabe has been one of the revelations of the season, playing as a as a centre back. You've got like guys like Scott McGill, like a real hardworking player. Callum Gallagher, you're always going to get about like 12 goals a season from him. And the finish, although we mentioned it was a Paul Payton mistake, it's actually a really good finish to from the angle and from, from the distance it was to, to put that into the net. And then Callum Smith and, and Dylan Easton, there, there's so much to, to like about them. And, and Ian Murray really seems to... Remember when he was a Dumbarton manager, it was always like... Uh, like you, if we want to win, we're going to score six goals because the opponents are going to score five. I know it's, it's not quite the same. In fact, no, Airdrie's defensive record is generally uh, generally quite good this term. But it's uh, aye, it's like it's a, it's a great Airdrie side. It's a great Airdrie side. I think that since I've been sort of like I'd say covering uh, lower league football since like 2012, doing doing telling by far and away. The, the the best Airdrie team and like I, I do hope they go up because they deserve to go up and the worry is that like if the team doesn't go up like somebody comes in somebody comes in facing I don't know like imagine Kelty Hearts I don't know what his personal circumstances are but Kelty next season a building go back in for Easton so sign him offer him like a like an even bigger wage than what he's on at, at Airdrie or, or, or whatnot or or say um, Callum Smith has got the chance to go full time football elsewhere. I don't know if he's full time with Airdrie, but you know what I mean. Like they're, 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 like their circumstances change to go elsewhere. More the other teams offer more money for them, and you hope that this group of players get the chance to go and do it again one level higher. Because I do think that certainly in forms now they could be a success in the championship. Agreed, and I, th- I think another concern would be if they don't get promoted. You wonder if Ian Murray would want to want to continue to hang around because the, the interesting thing about Murray is. 
even when he was doing well at Dumbarton, there was questions around, well, how much of this is him? How much of it is Jack Ross? His yeah, time yeah. at Airdrie has been... I mean, I, I suppose by and large have always been pretty much kicking around mm-hmm. the, the top end of League One, but I think there has been seasons where it's kind of petered out and you think, right, well, is Ian Murray the man to, to, to take a club forward and, and to try and get them into the Championship? I think he's probably answered all those questions this season. And I would imagine in the summer, even if he had to go up, I would imagine there'll be other clubs maybe looking at him. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he got an offer or two in the summer. And I, I think if Airdrie were in League One, he'd be far more inclined to accept one of those offers. I suppose that the team that most springs to mind, if you, if you were looking for a manager, is Falkirk. I think that, that Ian Murray, an upward-looking manager, Falkirk are, I don't know if they've really fallen in hard times. This was his fourth consecutive season in, in League One. My, what a humiliation. <laughs> but, but And I think that, I mean, the club needs a massive rebuild. When you look at the number of players that are still going to be in the books for next term, like, there's, there's I mean, Leon McCann, maybe, who, who Murray would have worked with uh, previously, Leon McCann, Maybe is, is there's only a handful of players that you think are are, are worth uh, worth sticking with. Anton Dowds, of course, has signed a pre-contract with uh, Partick Thistle. That was announced earlier today. But that's a player who was quite I always got the impression quite poorly treated yeah. at, at Falkirk. Sort of became a a bit of a joke figure. Then was made fun of at the Q and A by uh, Gary Holt goes to our broth, scores a number of goals, comes back into the team, and then is sort of like displaced to make way for Lee Griffiths. I, yeah, you can understand why he'd be like, fuck this, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. Again, going off. Just, this, 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 is, this is what we do in these lower league podcasts. We go off topics, we go off in tangents. But I think that, aye, Murray would be a good fit for Falkirk. I think he'll have learned a lot from his time at St Mirren. He, he wasn't there very long. But if, you, if, you, if he has given the time to turn it around at Falkirk, he's given the opportunity to put his own stamp at stuff and give him like two transfer windows. Maybe, maybe actually give him four transfer windows till Brad Mackay's contract's up. <laughs> Who knows? You wonder, uh, you wonder how appealing that would be to you in money. You wonder how appealing a, a job, well, not a job like Falkirk. You wonder how appealing Falkirk would be to money, a club that just appears to be going absolutely nowhere. Uh, problems seem to pile up season by season. I don't know how appealing that would be to him, and, unless it was unless it was a, a, a big pay rise compared to what he's on at the moment, which which may be the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think. That, like I always, I've always said, Falkirk as a club, I've got a lot going for them in terms of like just the location, fan base. You know that they've got there's loads of potential there. If you do well at Falkirk, but I suppose if if you do well at Falkirk, you take them up next season. Take them on next season, get them into the championship, stabilise them. That's something the club have. I mean, that's what weirdly I think it's the most stable the club have been in years for the wrong reasons. But you take them up in the championship and do well, that opens up other avenues to you. Yes, but by then, by the same token, yeah, yeah, I, I, hundred percent. There's, there's not too many managers that have left Falkirk recently and have 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 went anywhere. Presley uh, was Presley the last one. I suppose McKinnon went to Queens Park and got them promoted. Or I thought, sorry, they meant upward moves. Yeah, uh, yeah, I suppose then if you're going to be... Uh, it would be, uh, I'd, I'd, if he was to go to Falkirk and uh, not do well, it would be a, uh, I think it would be a big black mark against him. And considering his, his career appears to be on an upward trajectory, I, I, think it would be a, I think it would be a big risk, a big risk for him. 
Yeah, aye, aye, de- definitely, definitely. But uh, I just shoot uh, one last thing, Sean, just before we move out of League One. East Fife relegated at the weekend, thumped three one by four. I say thumped three one by four. I think actually the match was closer than perhaps uh, people expected, but then Falkirk uh, struck late on to put a bit of gloss on the scoreline. But East Fife's relegation was a, a long time coming. Aye, I mean. Uh... At the start of the season, I thought East Fife would have been... I, I didn't expect them to be challenging for a playoff place like they have been uh, over the last two, three seasons, maybe. I didn't necessarily expect them to be in... I didn't necessarily expect them to be the, the worst team in the league. I think they've I think they've recruited poorly. I think they've had uh, injury concerns. I think they've had, you know, issues with uh, who was a player who kind of disappeared at the start of the season and then came back. Uh, oh, what's his face, Ryan Wallace? Yeah, I mean, there's been there's been a lot of issues uh, at, at the club this season, and but ultimately, I, I think they have. I think if everybody was available, they may have a decent start in eleven, but 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 no depth, and ultimately, they've they've never had they've never had the players that they've needed to to, to kind of keep them up this this season. But uh, the guys that they've left never adequately replaced over the summer, uh, and although Crawford. Crawford kind of made them a wee bit harder to beat. They, they seemed to draw a few games. Then they, then they got a couple of wins and you thought, I, I think they're going to catch them barking up. But again, the, their, their form has just, uh, just completely deserted them. And, and I, the, far and away the worst team in League One this season and no surprise to see them relegated. Yeah, I think there's a couple of young boys in that team. They're perhaps not good enough, not good enough yet. Maybe not be good enough at all. Uh, certainly uh, guys that are perhaps a bit past their best, playing at a level that they are not... It's been a wee bit too far for them. Aye, so they'll, they'll go down next season. And unless there's massive changes, I, I can see League Two being really competitive next season. I think League One, weirdly, is going to be probably the most difficult division in the country. Like to call the number of teams that are going to be down there. Like, like just say, for instance, imagine Airdrie and Cove go up, right, and replaced by... Queen of the South, Air United. Then you've got Falkirk, Queen's Park. You've got four full-time clubs in there. Chucking Kelty Hearts, who you imagine will hold their own. And then you'll you'll have um, Stenhouse Muir, Peterhead, Clyde, Aloha. That's a real heady concoction of uh, of sides in there. And it's a real difficult one to call. I think it's hard to call at the top and be hard to call at the bottom as well. Yeah, and I, I think in terms of you, you touched on League Two, I think where League Two will be interesting next season is, like in the past, you've had like Cove Rangers have come up and you think, right, they'll win the league. Kelty Hearts comes up and you think, right, they'll win the league. Now, I don't know what will happen in terms of the promotion relegation spot. Cowdenbeath might stay up. Fraser Borough might win it. Bonnyrigg might win it. But let's say Bonnyrigg were to come up, for example. Like, they don't have the kind of spending clout that Kelty would or, or Cove would. So as much as Bonnyrigg might do pretty well in League yeah. 2 and, and I, they might win it they might be good enough to win it but it, it's certainly they're certainly going to pull away from the rest like that's, like that's, a, a, another couple of examples I've, I've managed I, that, that, that's certainly the impression that I get if, uh, if, if whoever comes up I think they, they are we'll use Bonnie Rigg for example because I, I know more about Bonnie Rigg than I do about Fraserborough but they, they seem to be like a good side a good Lowland League side whereas Kelty Hearts were, were basically just a Lowland League a, a team who played in the Lowland League but were, were by no means a, a lowland league team at all, given the the the, the depth of, of SPFL quality they had in that division. I'm sure Bonnie Red could strengthen, but they would fancy their chances to win it and they could win it, but I don't think on paper they, they don't seem any better than 
Forfar, or Annan, yeah. or Steny, or Edinburgh. You know, there's a, there's not a lot of SPFL quality in there, and there is a big step up. You know, you, you're not going to be playing fucking uh, Kangaroo Kids Club FC every <laughs> second week. <laughs> you know, so it's I it's a it's a, it's a step up. It's a step up in quality. But uh, I I my shoot prediction for next season: Dumbarton to go down. I Dumbarton needs five to come down. Cowdenbeath to stay up. And I think if if Forfar go up, if Forfar go up, I mean I want Steny to go up, but if Forfar go up, I think that that league, every team, all ten teams in that division will see themselves as viable challengers for that title. Including like Elgin, Albion Rovers, even Cowden, they would see themselves as 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 looking to get into the top four, looking to looking to win that league. But that said, we'll we'll save that for a couple of months' time, Sean, when we do our, our post-League Cup group stage uh, preview podcast. Cannot fucking wait. But let's might as well stick around. I said we might as well, as if we weren't going to anyway. <laughs> you know, like, we might as well stick around in League Two. And since since I am on um this podcast, who are we going to talk about? We any by any chance. Yes, hit Chelsea Dagger by the Fatellis. <laughs> anyway, yes, of course. And it's not just because I support Stennis Stewart and I'm quite informed about them. It's because they took a, a, a they had a really impressive win at the weekend over Albion Rovers, turned in one of their best performances of the season, and they obliterated the Vers 4-1, scoring all four of their goals within the first 24 minutes of the match. Adam Corbett opened the scoring after just 44 seconds before Ewan O'Reilly, Robert Thompson and Adam Brown completed the route. And Charlie Riley pulled a consolation goal back through a very dubious penalty. Now, Albion Rovers are in ninth place and judging by the last two matches, they are well and truly on their holidays. But the Warriors moved within a point of Edinburgh City in fourth place, so it's all to play for with just six matches to Six matches, just two matches to go. Um, I wish this was like the TV show when you just stop and start again and some jobber can edit it out for you. It's not. I'm not going to go back and do it. So, I, Sean, what did you think of Stennis Muir 4, Albion Rovers 1? I thought the scoreline flattered Albion Rovers. I thought yeah. it looked like it could have been far, far more. Six, seven. Uh, and as much as Albion Rovers looked woeful, I thought Stennis looked pretty good. And again, I kind of go through Stennis' team and I know when we spoke about Stennis Muir at the start of the season, it was very much a case of uh, brought in a load of boys from uh, a kind of lower level, had a massive squad, a flabby squad that, that didn't probably didn't have the quality to, to, yeah, to do what they wanted to do, which that. is ultimately a challenge for the playoffs and, and maybe get promoted. And I look at that stand 11 and think, that's a decent team. Like I'd especially thought, uh, I thought you and O'Reilly looked pretty good down that left-hand side, seemed to be given... Uh, the, the right back uh, was that was that Ferry Alfie Robinson was playing at right was back that, he was uh, weirdly he, Alfie like Robinson, he was getting at uh, Alfie Robinson was a right back but wearing number three Adam Fernie was the left back wearing number two that's probably why they were both terrible they were both in, <laughs> wearing the wrong number but throughout that team now and I think especially having Robert Thompson back I thought his goal was a was a really smart finish yeah. and from my time of watching Thompson even at, at maybe even at a higher level I always thought he made players round about him that bit better as well and I'm, I'm presuming that's the case at Steny he has been I'll be honest he's not been fantastic since he came back from his injury that was his first goal in a while 
Uh, very well taken goal. Great work down the down the right hand side with uh, Adam Fernie getting skinned again in, in that match. But I uh, Tom Thompson hasn't been. He, he got a bad ligament injury just as he was coming into a game against Cowden Beef back in October, and it's taken him a long time to sort of like get get over it and get into fitness. But the, the I, th- I going back a step though, your your point, hundred percent, I agree with you. I think that Stenisphere, the squad's probably too big. Some as a few guys in there signed from non-league football who just aren't quite good enough for the SPFL. But Stephen Swift has got a, about, I'd say about fourteen players out of that squad who he trusts and who are going to play every week. The but you and when you go to Oakville View now, you you know roughly what the team is going to be. Do you know who the goalkeeper is? A settled back four. Nat Weatherburn is the number six with like maybe two, three, four, five, six, seven guys around him to make up for the fact he can't run. Uh, <laughs> Uno Riley out wide and then like Robert Thompson or, or, or Tam Orr or maybe both of them playing up front. So you know what you're going to get for the Warriors and the team has benefited from that settled side. You can see partnerships forming across the park. And yeah, you're absolutely right in what you say, that the 4-1 scoreline flattered the Rovers. If Steny had taken a chances and they missed a couple of good ones, it could have easily been six or seven. And the only, the penalty, we might as well talk about that, the, the penalty that, that they had, it was uh, Mikey Miller fouled. I wasn't even sure who he fouled, but he, he fouled him. The foul looked like it occurred outside the box. And the, the referee and the linesman had a long discussion. And the impression that we got sitting in the stands was that the referee's made his mind up and he's just going over to tell the linesman why that's the case and he's not going to change his mind. You you, you mentioned Weatherburn there. Like, I know we went, uh, I went to, I met you at uh, Cowden Beef mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. Uh, a, a dreadful game of football, but Weatherburn, and, and Weatherburn is a player who I, I liked, but it, it really frustrated me at Starts Park because of, of how slow he was. And that was in League One. Games could, if he was caught wrong side, then that was it. He was, mm-hmm. he was out of the game. He was out of the equation. I thought at Cowden Beef, he just strolled it. Yeah. Like at this level, he looks like a, a, a really cracking player. I think that that, that with that Wedderburn, there's the, the positives and the negatives. And the negatives are, as you mentioned, he can't run. He's slow as fuck. And if you <laughs> if you walk briskly past him, you're you're gonna you're gonna be off over the horizon within the space of seconds because he's so slow. However, you 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 build around those limitations and you put guys that are that you put Mikey Miller alongside you, you you'll see Mikey Miller a, a lot. You put Mikey Miller alongside, you put a guy like Mikey Anderson alongside. Mikey Anderson just will, will smash things up and give the ball to better players. And, and what you get from that, if you can you can I, like put the players alongside him to work out work, work around that lack of mobility, he is strong, very rarely loses possession. He's got those big long legs, he's got a big arse. And when he like stretches across opposition players, he just barges them out of the way. And he's got a lovely left foot. And when he can play those diagonals like like out, out into the, the channels, there's there's not a lot of players in that division that can really do the same. And I think if, if it wasn't for his he had quite a sluggish start to the season, I think if he played consistently over the course of the campaign, he could have been in with a shout for the, the, the Player of the Year award. And your your opinion on this team has swiveled, it would be fair to say, because you now you now believe they'll get promoted, won't you? I thought that, that going into February, I thought that if Stenisbury were finishing in fourth place, he'd get promoted 
I, I, I thought that even though when Steny were like about a, a handful of points behind Edinburgh, I thought they'll get promoted. And even when like Edinburgh were playing on a, a Friday night and losing, and then Stenis Moore would lose on the next day. And when, when Edinburgh played Steny, and Edinburgh went down to 10 men after 15 minutes, and Stenis Moore still couldn't be there, I thought Steny will still get promoted. It's, I just think that going into these playoffs, like they've done really well against Annan and Forfar over the course of the season. They've only lost once against them in seven matches. And that was to Annan, 1-0 at Oakleview. And they should have beaten them. They had the chances again to win. And for going touching what we said earlier, I don't fear Dumbarton in the slightest. And, and, and I think that they can they can they can go up. But I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about Steny, but there's one player, if I may, that I can highlight as my favorite Stennis Muir player, Adam Corbett. Fucking hell, man. What a player. And you think I'm just saying that I get carried away because it's my team. I'm telling you, this guy could be playing championship football, full-time championship football, if someone takes a punt on him. Is he is he contracted for next season? No. That's why Mr. Swift, sign him up at once. I think uh, Swift has spoken to a number of players about what they're doing for next season. And for what I've heard off the record, Corbett is uh, Corbett's one of them. And he'd be daft not to like the guy was brought into the club. We brought into the club back in January last year from Spartans. And you could tell he was a football player. You tell he's got something about him, but he was really soft centered. Like he get pushed and knocked off the ball a wee bit. And I remember that like there was a game at Albion Rovers. Like this is like this will be about a, a year ago, not long after Stephen Swift had taken charge, lost that match 2-1. He was really poor in it and got pulled off at half-time. And I think Swift was like, I don't trust this guy. Don't fancy him. And I think he'd have probably let him go if he, if it, if he hadn't had like an 18-month contract. And he didn't really... I think he'd done an abductor problem at the start of the season, didn't really feature much. But from December onwards, he's been playing at right-back. And he has been superb at right-back. Central defender by trade, fast, energetic. He was a captain at Spartan, so good leadership qualities. Scored a really good goal uh, at, the, at the weekend there. Set up Ewan O'Reilly what, for what should have been the fifth goal. And just someone who's got the, the qualities. There's, there's, there's so much raw potential there that I think if he is given full-time training, he could turn it into something tangible. I hope that's not the case. Obi says it's Stennis Fewer, but what a player. What a player. Well, I am at Oakle View this weekend, so I will I'll, I'll watch out for him uh, specifically. But it's against uh, it's against your bogey team, sure not. They've not beaten Stranraer since two thousand and seventeen, which I was really surprised to learn about. I always thought that that Stranraer would, would, would that Stenshire did okay against them, but no, they've 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 been really poor. And and the two earlier meetings, the first two meetings between the clubs were humiliations for Stenhouse Muir. The first one, a two 0 defeat, that was uh, just really poor from the manager, and it was that's earlier on in the season around September time you think this cunt's no got it this this guy's just just he's overthinking things he's what the decisions he's making are making the team worse and they're, they're, they're not they're not working he played he went with like a, a weird sorry weirdly he played Adam Corbett right back in that match but it was that he he played a half fit Sean Crichton he pulled off Adam Corbett and Mikey Anderson 43 minutes, you know, not even a half time, 43 minutes. We, we did a podcast actually yeah. about that. Um, really, really poor. And then the, the second meeting at Oakle View, lost that game 4-1. Sonar scored like their goals within, Senny took the lead, but Sonar scored their goals like, in the space of like five minutes. Dreadful goalkeeping performance for David Wilson. Um, and and I both humiliations, but I drew 1-1 with them the last time we played them. And actually looked all right in spells. Sonora was the better side, but Sonora showed like they were resilient and hard. And hopefully, with Sonora having nothing to play for, 
you might fancy the Warriors for this one, given that they've won the last two matches and were pretty good against Albion Rovers there. And it has to be better than that Cowdenbeath game I was at about a month ago. Sean, uh, if you were to put a cocktail umbrella down your cock, that would be better than that Cowdenbeath kind of match. There is, there is, that I mean, like, basically, like, see for bad experiences, that match, the Cowdenbeath won, Stennis made one game, for, certainly for about the first 75 minutes, that is the baseline for bad experiences. <laughs> You know, uh, and Sammy Omprion came on, and uh, that was that. That was the that was what the the game needed. That spark of life. Do you remember the first half in that match? You remember how how, how awful it was. Remember how embarrassed I felt. Remember, I think I apologised to you about eighteen times over the course of that afternoon. You still got very excited with that last minute equaliser, and rightly I, so. I did, and then just realised, fuck, that was terrible, and then stopped celebrating. <laughs> yeah. I suppose. What do you think then, Sean? You watched highlights. I mean. I haven't seen them that much this season. I've only seen them the, the two times that the Warriors played them. What do you think Albion Rovers in this game? Uh, they looked as bad as any side I've seen this season. Like there was there was just nothing positive about them whatsoever. And the ah, as we say, that, that could have ended up six, seven easily. But like they have demonstrated enough over the course of the season that ah, that, I mean they are a better team than, than Cowdenbeath. But they don't have anything to play for, and it very much looked like that on Saturday. I, I, I was strange. I was expecting more for them. I think that, like, I've always said this, but see about the Rovers, you're always going to get a good game for them. Always going to get a good game for them. Like, it doesn't matter that they're the, 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 under, the underdogs playing at a, a, a shit stadium. They, they'll make things difficult for you. And, and prior to the game against uh, last week's game against, or sorry, the, the game uh, on the 9th of April against Sunrar, they were actually in a really good run of form. They had, they had drawn three and uh, won two in, in five games. And they'd, like, they'd drawn 0 0 with Kelty Hearts, drawn 0 0 with uh, Forfer, beaten Stirling Albion, smashed Annan. Uh, 4-2 down at Gallabank and you think this is a, this is a team that, that looks that looks quite handy you can see probably Brian Reid was thinking this is good we're not going to get into the playoffs but we've we've got something we can build on for next season and then to get absolutely obliterated like like for the first kick of the ball at the final whistle against Stranraer really chucking it away at the end and then like they, they basically finished that match that, or they, they started that match against um, so there's one of those text messages there Simon attempted to deliver today your parcel, but no one answered. Mm, aye. The weird thing is I'm expecting a parcel today. I expect so. So that's that's how they catch you out. That's how they catch you out. But no, 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 not falling for it. Not falling for it. Sorry, the point the point I was making there was that that they really like a side that's on their holidays. And the team that pitched up at Oakville View there, they reminded me of the, the John Brogan side. You remember when, when, when John Brogan came in at the Rovers? He yep. was the boy that they signed from, not like Premier Division junior football, but... The like, second like, division, like, at the west of Scotland. I like, um, like, Fermarinus Blueberries Division 3. <laughs> you know, like, that sort, that sort of level. Where it's like, and he signed all these guys that you'd never heard of. And, and like the we since we played them in a league cup tie at the start of that the eighteen nineteen season, that was a poor Stennis Muir side. Stennis Muir destroyed them, end up winning that match four 0 and that was a team that had no quality, no height, no heart, nothing. That team was as bad as that side there. Like James, like uh, Alfie Robinson and and James, uh, sorry Adam Fernie. Fernie was the Fernie was playing at left back. He was the boy that sold Cammy Benning short for Adam Brown's goal. Tried to yep. play a header back to him and Brown just nipped in and, and lifted the ball over him. Really good finish. He was awful. And I'm surprised he, he lasted the lasted the full 90. What, what, like, is, 
is not finishing bottom of the pile success for Albion Rovers this season? I mean, did they have any intention? Like, did they ever have any hopes of getting in the top four? Probably not. So a mid-table, you would say that would be a good season for them. But ultimately, in, in League Two, if you finish sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, it kind of doesn't really matter, I suppose, other than other than buttons, yeah, difference for, for prize money. It, like, when, oh, when I see Albion Rovers, I kind of think, step one for them, task one, don't finish 10th. And then anything over and above that feels like a bonus for them. Yeah, I think you know something, I think you you could well be right there. You could be all right. It's not much to say that finishing ninth place is, is an achievement, but I suppose, I suppose with the, the, and this is something we're going to come on and talk about in our Patreon episode. So if you want to hear more about it, you're going to have to pay money for it. <laughs> but it's like for for, for for teams like Albion Rovers, it's, it's like you can't keep on finishing ninth because the quality in the division is going to get better and then ninth place becomes 10th place, becomes relegation. And that's uh, something you've got to avoid. But a small team, like probably the, the, the team with the smallest budget in that division. And, you know, they've they've had a couple of uh, a couple of decent results over the course of the campaign. But I just, just shit the last two matches and they've got Albion Rovers and Cowd... Sorry, they've got still an Albion and Cowd beating the next two matches. I think this is kind of like Stevie Crawford at East Fife. This is just the opportunity to just take a look and see what's, you know, take a look at the players you want to keep on for next season, uh, see the players that you want to um, to get rid of. But I think I'd be very surprised. I mean, it's only one performance, but I'd be surprised if we see Adam Fernie kicking a ball in the SPFL again. He's got um, Royal Albert, Heart Hill Royal written all over him. I don't like being negative because he's a young guy, he's like 21 and I'd never heard of him before. And I went in his uh, soccer base and he's got like one, like a handful of appearances for, for the for, for the Rovers over the, like over the, since uh, since the start of the season. Like he's only played like 28 times for them. And like, but I. Maybe it was just a bad day at the office. You know what? That's like, I'm telling you, that's, that's a bad day at the office. That's like being a, a mechanic and accidentally trapping one of your workmates underneath that machine that you stand under to look under cars, that's the equivalent of Adam Fernie's bad day. Do you want to wrap up, Sean, and go and do this Patreon? Yes, yes, that's absolutely fine. That's fine. We've spoken about the playoffs there, and, and so we don't need to go back and do them. Final reminder about the live show. We spoke about it at the start. The tickets, a handful of tickets remaining, so get yours now to avoid disappointment. You can basically go on the, the a View from the Terrace Twitter page. You'll get all the information you need there. But it's Friday the 20th of May. It's St. Luke's in Glasgow. It's going to be great. Myself, Sean, Joel Sked, Craig Fowler, Robert Borthwick, just five VLs talking shit about football, much like you and your mates down the pub. Yes, you, the listener. Aye, I think it'll be I think it'll be a good laugh. If nothing else, you know, and you can't put a price on having a good laugh in this economy. So aye, Sean, we are going to go and do a Patreon. We're going to be talking about VAR and we're going to be talking about the recent shenanigans in the Lowland League with Colt teams and uh, relegation or the lack thereof. So join us over there and we'll see you shortly. Thank you. Bye. Podcast Network.